On episode 21 of the Goblin Trash Masters, we talk about how to tell if you're getting better at magic, a new pioneer list taking the rock stands by storm, and even a little bit about the career progression of the House of Dracula Monster Model Museum. I'm Kyle, joined by my partner in crime, Anthony. Say hello, Anthony. Clackety consonants, Batman. <laughs> Alright, let's talk some trash. Clackety. There are two new seasons that are happening now, Anthony. It's the RCQ season, season four. I'm very excited. And the NHL fucking playoffs are here, and I'm so goddamn excited. I'm hyped about the NHL playoffs this year. I am so excited. As we're recording this, my my boys, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're up 1-0 against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I really hope their curse continues, and they don't make, they don't win another playoff series for another thousand years, but I digress. Rooting against Canadian hockey. Is there anything more pure in this world? Yeah, from a Florida hockey fan. The Canadians hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just point all their window units at the swamp and then boom, rink. <laughs> it's magic. All right, speaking of magic, we have a topic about Magic the Gathering today. What? And we talked... Oh, wait, we talk about magic? I had no idea. But uh, we've talked a lot about growth and improving... But it's one one thing we haven't really discussed is how to know if you actually are getting better. How 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 to notice if you actually are improving, getting better. We need to talk about that because we talk about how you can improve, how you can practice the right way, all those things, making goals. But is it is it paying off? Yeah, like you need like a measuring stick at some point, right? Because our goals mm -hmm. have to be measurable. We need to measure them against something. We need to know how are mm -hmm. we doing? Are we actually getting better? Or did we just start playing against worse opponents? <laughs> are we getting worse or, or are we just playing against better yeah. opponents? That's mm -hmm. just one example. But I, I really like this topic because I think it can be really discouraging if you can't see your progress. If you look back and you're not sure how far you've gone, that can easily mm -hmm. lead to some burnout or discouragement. Yeah, definitely the the burnout and discouragement because there there are some like some people who see that like, hey, I'm not getting better. This isn't for me. And in in my case, there was a point where I was just like, I was like, I was playing a lot of magic. I was like, I'm asking myself, I'm like, hey, I play a lot of, a lot of magic. Am I getting better? And then when I started focusing on like, hey, let I need to do things to to get better to so I can actually see myself get better. Uh, I started playing better. I started doing more. And it wasn't just like me spinning my tires going, I'm just going to play a bunch of games of magic. That's how I'll get better. It's not necessarily the case all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Just I, I think that there's a pretty big misconception in general that just jamming a bunch of games over and over and over and over and over again will make you better. It's not usually the and case because it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Because you just playing games doesn't are, are you playing to get better? Are you playing for fun? Are, are you playing sideboarded games? Are you playing against good, bad, in-between matchups? Or you just be like, I'm bored. Let's play some games of Magic. Because I've had fun just sitting at the kitchen table or just at LGS, hanging out with my friends, farting around, playing meme decks or just the deck I had at the time. And just, I'm not getting better. I'm not getting worse. It's just fun. But if you actually want to improve, you got to play actual meaningful games of Magic. And one simple way is to see if you're actually improving is 
are you winning against actually good opponents or people you know who are pretty decent at the game now we've said this in the past like the best player usually doesn't always win the game of magic but you can tell if you're winning the right way usually doesn't always is a beautiful phrase and donnie darko they said drew barrymore's character said the most beautiful phrase in the english language is cellar door but i disagree little girl from et i think (laughs) what was just said here surpasses that sometimes usually doesn't always often i'm gonna keep adding to it (laughs) look i went to art school i make pictures pretty i I don't know grammar i just say words all right i play goblin magic cards get out of here (laughs) i think that's funny because if you're if you're if you're understanding grammatically is what we'd call descriptive rather than prescriptive right so Mm. you understand how to form a sentence even if you're not a weirdo like me, I'm pointing to me, that has all these rules memorized, (laughs) your understanding is descriptive. You are still able to communicate with other human beings, and that's fine, right? That's great. But that difference between descriptive and prescriptive knowledge of something is actually a really big distinction in magic. And if your Mm -hmm. understanding is in magic is overly descriptive and not prescriptive, you might interpret yourself as an intuitive player, right? And part of what we're talking about here is about how to, if you find yourself more on the descriptive end of the spectrum rather than the prescriptive end of the spectrum, how to take that understanding of your games and work with it a little bit more, make it a little more prescriptive so that you can measure up and see, am I actually getting better? Mm -hmm. Now, it can be tough for people who understand things more descriptively to try and twist their understanding into being a little more prescriptive and definitely fucking vice versa mm-hmm. as a person who it <laughs> tends to skew prescriptive on everything i can assure you that there are times where i need to be able to have a more descriptive understanding of something and i can't or it's a lot of work mm-hmm. at least mm-hmm. but now descriptive prescriptive one of the easiest things to see is your win percentage like you were saying oh yeah and it's not the end all be all but it but it's something but it helps yeah, yeah it definitely does help if you are playing better you're likely going to spread over enough time, be winning more matches of magic. Mm-hmm. Simple, simple fact. Does that mean I went 1-2 at this week's FNM and the week before I went 2-1, I'm getting worse? N- no, that's a very small sample size. Mm-hmm. So grain of salt on the win percentage. Yes. And I think that's a good segue into the next topic we're going to talk about within this. Our, our, how do you know if you're improving is people will tell you. And that's win percentage is a it's an easy way to see if you're getting better. But there are some times where you go, say, 1-3 to an RCQ, and you're like, oh, man, and I didn't win. And some friends will come up to you and like, no, no, you played well. Bad matchups, things like that. Your deck wasn't cooperating or anything like that. But people will tell you whether you're winning or losing. No, you played well in, in that situation. Mm-hmm. Or that you actually are getting better. I need you to hear this. You are getting better. Don't get discouraged. Because some people need that in, in certain situations. Oh, yeah. Regardless of where you are, like that sort of validation means something is going to mean something to you. But people will point out, hey, you are playing better right now. You are making good choices. I I remember um, the situation with Jared Betcher. Do you remember that guy? He was just doing like a really, really in plain sight, basic shuffle cheat where he was just needed lands. He was putting non land cards when he's not. I remember. And if they were flooding out, he would put lands on top. 
Mm-hmm. I remember that in that story, LSV apparently walked up and watched some of Jared Betcher's gameplay. And he was looking at this and he was just like watching it and just being like, how? How is this dude having the best season that anyone has ever had right now? And mm-hmm. LSV's takeaway was, I guess I'm just washed. Oh, wow. He's, he went, went to he went to them and he was just like, am I totally washed right now? Why do why am I interpreting every game action this dude is taking as being incorrect? Mm-hmm. If you're watching a game of magic, you should be evaluating the person you're watching's game actions and saying, is that what I would do here? If mm-hmm. yes, then you two are on the same page. If no, then one of you, you're, you're, if you're taking a different line, then one of you is taking a better line. And trying to figure that out with them is good. I've definitely watched somebody with a fatal push in their hand and a fable on two and like two mana and a blood token. Their opponent had a shieldred on their side of the field. And rather than pop the blood token, discard a good card, take a random card off the top with the blood token, random, probably worse than the the cards in their hand, and then use their fatal push to kill the shieldred, Mm -hmm. just untapped, took the two from the draw step from the shieldred, let their fable flip, leave play and come back, Mm -hmm. and then fatal push the shieldred there, keeping the blood token, keeping the good cards in their hand. And I was thinking, you need to crack this blood token now because it's your only way you're Mm -hmm. getting the shieldred off the battlefield. And they decided, and they didn't do that. So watching that, I'm just like, why are they not doing that? Are they missing it? And they weren't missing it. They just were aware that when their Fable of the Mirror Breaker flips, when it hits Chapter 3, it exiles and then comes back transformed, mm-hmm. meaning Revolt is turned on. Which is, which is, it's very, very good. We all, all, we red-black players have to remember that. <laughs> yeah, and that's a situation where people will point those sort of things out. They'll be like, hey, okay, I did not see that line. That was a good line that I could not find watching. Mm-hmm. Like, people will point out when you are finding stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, another example is when we were at the, the RC in San Diego, our, our buddy Christian, who made day two, I watched him a lot, both day one and day two, while he was playing Esper Legends. And there were some times I'd be behind him watching his game and be like, hmm. Maybe, maybe they'll do this, do that. And there's sometimes where we talked afterwards and he's like, hey, how'd I play? I'm like, overall, I thought you made really good decisions. And then there are some times where I would see him do something like, I don't know about that. And then a turn would pass and I'd see what their opponent did and then would go back to their turn. I'm like, oh, okay, their line was a lot better in that situation. It's really cool seeing stuff like that play out, right? Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. And that's also a, another way of you yourself, the spectator, seeing yourself getting better is when you see one of your friends or just another person playing and they make a play that you're like, I don't know about that. And then as time goes on, you'd notice, oh, no, that was the correct play in that in, in that situation. They were correct. That shows you're growing and getting better as a player. And you'll at some point be that player sitting there in that t- at that table making that play and other people be watching you and taking notes. I had a really great example personally of this with me as the player was in the Star City Open finals Hmm. where I made a play and I think it was Cedric Phillips was like, I don't know what he is doing here. This this line does not make any (laughs) sense to me. What is he doing? And it was Hold up, let him cook. It's fine. (laughs) It was because my my opponent who had been like no non-land cards in their hand, draws and plays a Tefiri, threatening to get them back into the game, ticks up the Tefiri, right? And I have like a 2-2 Hydroid Crisis in play. And then on my turn, I make my attack, and I ignore the Tefiri and attack them. Okay. Um, because that, in my mind, I identified that attacking that Tefiri down required 
them not to draw a removal spell mm-hmm. for four turns, and it was going to effectively gain them eight life just from me not attacking them. And I said, hey, if I just am attacking this Tefiri, you're going to get two cards a turn for the next four turns. Mm-hmm. I don't think the game is going to go longer than that. So I'm going to choose to ignore this, understanding that all my Carnage Tyrants, all, all the Carnage Tyrants I have, all the Contempts, all the like the four mana removal spells that I have access to right now are threatening to answer that guy pretty cleanly anyway. And I made the decision to make those attacks with that in mind. So when people are questioning your plays or you're questioning somebody's plays, if you can talk to them about it, it's always great because I want to know why your thing was different than my thing. Mm -hmm. And if we talk about it after the fact, and if I'm Kyle, if I'm watching you play, we talk about a decision you make after the fact and you say, Hey, I was thinking of this, this, and this, or just like, I was, I was thinking about what will happen if the top card of their deck was a fatal push. And that did not cross my mind at all. Then that's usually a sign that whoever you're talking to is, is, is considering more things and playing tight. Mm -hmm. Having that discussion helps everybody involved too. It's a collaborative effort becoming a better magic player. And that's how you get better. And it's another way how you notice that you're getting better is you're discussing things and you're having a dialogue with other players, not just like somebody coaching you up or mm-hmm. just telling you what to do. You're, it's it's a back and forth. And somebody's like, oh, I, I, I get what you're saying. What about this? What about that? It's just that it's just you, two magic players playing table tennis. Of, what about Fatal Push? What about Fable? What about Shieldred? It's just that back and forth discussion. And if you're able to hold I your own. Yeah, if you're able to hold your own yeah. in that discussion and make sanguine points back at whoever's talking to you, that's a sign that you're improving, right? Because if you say, why'd you do that? And they say, I don't know. And then you say, (laughs) then if you're working with somebody and they answer, I don't know, when you ask them, why'd you do that? And then a month later, you ask them why they do, why you do that. And they say, I was worried about a removal spell. Okay, that's better. Mm -hmm. And then if a month later you ask them that question, they say, oh, I was playing around a top deck, go for the throat or in a braid. That's even better, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's growth. You've 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 gotten better at realizing what your opponent might do, the state, the game states, all those things. And it's not just you memorizing cards and watching a bunch of coverage or just playing a lot of games. It's you focusing in on the specific things about playing magic mm-hmm. and watching magic and talking about magic and you know, retaining that info and and using it at a later date. I think that's the biggest thing where you, you people can have a lot of knowledge about this game but won't use it in practice when they play i i, I see that a lot where it's Yo, like have you very... seen me play arena agree <laughs> <laughs> there's something about that thing that looks like a video game that makes me play like dog shit every time dude same like i don't know what it is because like you could just hover over everything and read it all and there's so many times when i'm just like wait that does what and it already resolves that i'm dead i'm <laughs> like okay i guess i can't read cards and know what they do i play this format all the time but ah. <laughs> yeah I, I like the idea of like wildly different a group of wildly different people with wildly different skills and ideas joining together to make progress towards a single common goal which is improving at magic although mm-hmm. if you took out what the single common goal was you'd basically be describing the thesis of the television series parks and recreation which i also like agreed love it yes yeah i like that i think that there's some sort of joke about those sad like cardboard crack style i'm a blue player sleeves that just have the blue mana symbol and say nope Mm -hmm. yeah what if they just did that but instead of the little 
water droplet. It was just a Ooh. monochromatic picture Ooh. of Leslie Nope, and it said Nope, spelled like her last name underneath it. Oh my god, Dragon Shield makes custom sleeves, right? Yes. All right. Have I created <laughs> an additional chore for myself? I think I have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anthony, you're not really sleeping. And I was just like, what if I did another project? No, go to bed. Go to bed. You can sleep a little bit. Eh. <laughs> another thing that I can think of that makes it really clear that you're getting better is when you're catching your own mistakes. Oh, yeah. I think that one in particular for me was like a light bulb went off where I'm realizing like, oh, I fucked up. Oh, I noticed I fucked up. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I still lost this game, but oh, that's really good. <laughs> that's why I think as people get out of the just really, really playing terribly, just very mm -hmm. casual attitudes towards the game. There are people that spend their entire time with magic in that spot. And that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Have at it. But then as people grow, if people are trying to play more competitively and grow out of that, they start noticing their mistakes more. And that makes them sad. As you get better at magic, it's really, it's really easy for your, for lack of a better phrase, misery index increases. Also, misery index is a very, very good death grind band from Baltimore. I really I should have been able to that guess that. <laughs> it's me talking about it. Come on. Yes. I should have been able but continue. to guess that that was the case. <laughs> no, and I think that if your goal is to feel good because you're playing perfectly, then just never get better at magic. Take your 10-minute commander turns for the entire time. Put it away. Yeah. Put it away on Sunday night and don't think about it all week. And you'll have a you'll have a great time. You'll never have to consider what your opponent could have. You'll never have to think about your mistakes because ah, rats just got unlucky. You oh, darn. interact with it once a week and you put it away with like a board game. But if you get bit by the improvement bug, you will notice them. But I mm -hmm. like your attitude that you had on that because that's a good thing. Noticing your mistakes is a good thing. Here's a good way to say it. Noticing your mistakes is a good thing if your goal is to get better. If your goal is to support your idea that you are amazing and never be challenged on that, then noticing your mistakes is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. That's That was good. I, I, I love it. I love it. I love how you said that because I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I actually do have a, a great example of, wow, I fucked up, but I really noticed it. And you pointed it out to me and I didn't harp on it. And I learned from it. And also it's the main reason that I should never, ever pick up a blue red tempo deck ever again. But it oh, was an RCQ. Ragavan? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Anthony pointed it out to me right after it happened. And like these past RCQs I was playing, I had this big mental block. I was nervous. It, like I was just like a nervous kid, like before his like soccer game. And I'm I don't know why it was like that. I, I'm, I'm a lot better now, but I was just super nervous. And I, I even remember I played Expressive Iteration. It was Island Bolt Bolt. And then I had a Ragavan that I've been dashing the entire time. And I go, oh, shit, this is lethal, right? Yeah, this is lethal. And I go to play and I completely fuck up the sequencing like real bad. I get my bolt bolt, don't have enough mana to dash the Ragavan to get the treasure and then finish it off with the other bolt. Yeah. So my opponent's at seven. They go to six or I, I deal six. They go to one. It goes to turn five. We end in a draw. And then Anthony points it out and I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I'm, yeah, if you I, dash with the Ragavan, <laughs> you get the extra treasure get the treasure Tatterbolt. Mm -hmm. and instead of me playing the rest of that rcq just super sad and down on myself i was joking about it with my opponents like that i was playing oh did you see me round one just royally fuck up or something like that i'll just use this learning experience just like 
joking, being fun, riffing with myself and like the people I was playing against. But I saw that and I learned from it. And I, I, I've become a better player doing that. Where like me noticing like, hey, I fucked up, but I, I know I fucked up. I need to move past it. You view this as a learning experience. But like, I feel like that really leads us into the next thing, which is acknowledging your mistakes. If you're yes. able to better acknowledge your mistakes, that means you are you are playing enough. You are this thing can take this thing out of losing just by losing a lot. Mm-hmm. Believe me, I've done it. We both have done it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and being able to acknowledge your mistakes when you make them own up to them and not letting yourself get upset is a sign of growth. If you are able to acknowledge mm-hmm. that mistake and discuss it with others, you should be detached from it. Mm-hmm. You should be detached enough that you can meaningfully talk about it. it. It reminds me of, I think, one of the most formative things that happened. I think like LSV and Marshall Sutcliffe would call it a level up moment mm-hmm. was I was playing in some standard FNM in 2012. No, nine. What set was legal? <laughs> it was it was 2000 in Innistrad. OK, so that's like 2011, 2012. OK. Yeah. Like Scars Innistrad. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's. 11 12 okay great yeah i don't know years i know magic You're right. sets yeah <laughs> but that, that's that's why i formed the question that it is way. beautiful thank <laughs> you i feel so seen <laughs> but i punted a game and i wasn't really in a spot where i was wanting to take magic very seriously i was just like mm-hmm. it was an fnm kind of activity and i would go 500 at most of these events, at most of these Mm -hmm. FNMs and whatever. And I just, I had expressed an interest in playing competitively, but wasn't really doing any of the work towards actually making a push in that. And I played against this guy and great, great, great magic player from our area, Heath Perdue, looked at me and said, so that really doesn't bother you at all. And I was like, hell no, I'm not going to get upset about something like that. I was just like, it's a game. You got to figure it out as you go. And he he said something to me that I feel like was this level up moment. And he says, you should be a little upset about it. And I was like, what do you mean? He's just like, if you're not a little bothered by what just happened, then I'd assume you just don't care enough to make strides towards it. And that was like a big deal for me because I really felt like the I'm going to do it again. I, I really felt like the platonic ideal. <laughs> I I really felt like the platonic ideal of a magic player was this just super unflappable fucking anime villain. Ice in their veins. Yeah. Just nothing. Nothing. And Heath, to his credit, really kind of put, put that into some perspective for me that if you treat magic more like a sport, an emotional involvement in what you're doing a little bit, it can mm-hmm. be a good thing. You can acknowledge yeah. those mistakes and you can save them for later if it bugs you a little bit, not to the point where you're causing a disruption for others or even for yourself. Just like most things, there's a happy medium. Yeah, losing losing sucks. Losing isn't the worst thing that can happen to you playing Magic, but it still stings. Like we learn from our mistakes and we've lost a lot and we've had donkey brain moments and whatnot where it just we feel bad about like the misplays we've had, but it's, it's not going to ruin our day. I'm not having a temper tantrum like a child every time I lose a game. Yeah, if we had like a spectrum of how much it upsets you with one end being chuck your deck at the wall and then go beat up your opponent in the parking lot and then the other end (laughs) of it being like, oh, it doesn't matter at all and forgetting about it immediately. You definitely want to be closer to the doesn't matter at all end of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. But being all the way down there, just like you're not using your time well, you like human beings are not logical creatures oh, like no. your emotions, <laughs> allowing your emotions to lend some importance to something 
is a big deal. It helps you learn. There are reasons mm-hmm. and- that humans like that we 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 talked about Sauce Bernays syndrome, right? There are reasons mm-hmm. that you associate one thing with some level of discomfort and that stays in your brain and it helps you avoid that thing in the future. You don't want to sideshow Bob and keep stepping on the same goddamn rate. <laughs> Always, always with the the things to make me chuckle. But yeah, because it really comes down to you got to care. And if you're not getting upset about losing, do you really care about this? Yeah. Like, why are you putting forth the effort? Like, At least bothered. I think bothered. Yeah, like a little bothered. bothered, I think, is a great word for it, too. And if you want to play competitively, you, you got to have that competitive spirit, that drive. But even with professional athletes, like when I when I see them get super salty, where it's just it goes, I always forget the the goalkeeper's name, but it was a he was a Russian player who played for Anaheim. He was a goalkeeper. And a reporter was going like, aren't you going to get like super upset? You lost spectacularly. He's like, why do you have to be mad? It's just the game. <laughs> you got to have that mentality, bud. It's, it's just the game. You got you got to play competitively, but it's just the game. Yeah. You, know, you, you really can't be focused on the results, always winning all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And. Like I said, it's a game. You have to have fun. And that's a question you have to ask yourself, even playing competitively. Are you having fun? Oh, yeah. Because if the way you're interfacing with the game means that the game is not fun for you, that's probably means you're not moving towards what your your goal should be. Even if you're getting better, mm-hmm. even if even if you're getting if you feel like you are getting more skilled, if you're having less and less fun with it, you're probably wanting to realign those goals a little bit and figure out what they should be or at least learn to fall in love with with the progress mm-hmm. you know fall in love with the process like just the 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 gamesmanship like the just you doing it and just practicing playing and everything in between yeah playing games of magic is is fun but do you love practicing do you love writing sideboard guides do you like whiteboarding sessions with friends do you like discussing it all everything in between it's not just like sitting down and playing games of magic like all of it's fun. Like we love all that shit. We love all the process that goes into it. We've talked about it on this podcast multiple times. Just all of those, those nights of long discussions or just us writing like cyborg guides out or just deck techs and things like that. It's, it's fun for us, mm-hmm. even with us getting ready for a highly competitive event. Yeah. The process is actually a really, really medium minus song by the band Sullivan off of their album, Cover Your Eyes. Fun fact is that uh, one of those band members is the younger brother of the lead vocalist from Under Oath. Really? And while I don't think they're the most talented band in the world, they're definitely better than Under Oath. (laughs) You know that Under Oath recently, relatively, came out with a secular album. They did? Two, I believe, at this point, yeah. Two? They're not good, and I'm loath to say this, (laughs) but y'all need Jesus. Because at least get them back, boys. Come on. At least when they were fundamentalists, their their music was better. I love how this is just the opposite of what usually happens with musicians. I don't know if you're if you have any love at all for mid 2000s hardcore, then I think you probably would just be like, oh, let's let's listen to all the secular musicians in this genre. But all the all the secular musicians were just much worse in that genre than the Christian ones. Yeah, it's just y- y'all need Jesus y'all to need make better Jesus. music. <laughs> and oh, speaking of just Christian metalcore, we just have to do a, a, a little R.I.P. to the Haste the Day bag. 
Oh, yeah, the Haste the Day bag. It has been finally, after two decades plus, leave me alone about the plus. It's carrying a lot of weight here. <laughs> Doing a lot of lifting. <laughs> after two decades plus of use, the Haste the Day bag has finally been retired. It was being held together by just a few threads. The lining was long gone. <laughs> it was mostly just like a burlap sack attached to a single strap. At one place, you just would have to drag it around. It held on to the bitter end. It, it served you well. It served <laughs> me well. Yeah, that that was my backpack through like most of my school. It was a backpack throughout my entire college career for sure. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. It survived college with you. Yeah, that backpack has committed more felonies than most human beings I know. <laughs> oh, you got to give it a Viking funeral now. Oh, yeah, I will have to, like I did with my electrolyzes, my full art yep. electrolyzes. <laughs> give it a Viking. Anthony, you can't just set stuff on fire. And Maybe send they'll it come out. back. <laughs> no. <laughs> you can't just keep setting stuff on fire and sending it out into Lake Reba. How dare you? I like I to think do that, whatever I want. <laughs> I like to think that Lake Reba was named after Reba McIntyre. That's the first thing that popped into my head. Yeah. Kyle, she loves her kids and never stops. <laughs> the single mom that works too hard. She's a survivor, Kyle. All right. You got some nerd deck to show me this week? Oh, <laughs> I'm very excited about this. So season four, pioneer season. I'm going to be doing the boring thing and playing red black for the RCQs and whatnot. But oh boy, did I find a fun deck that I just love playing. We did it, boys. I made Yawgmoth and Pioneer. Oh, color me intrigued so I know mm. what I'm going to be losing to. I've been playing a lot of this Golgari Sacrifice, Golgari Aggro deck. It was, it started with Todd Anderson, Tandy, playing a version of, of this deck with, which is a bunch of Zulaport Cutthroats, like the, the Mana Elves, Priest of Forgotten Gods, Lovestruck Beasts, Woe Strider, things like that with Collected Company, and my boy, Tyvar, the Jubilant Baller. And it was more of a Golgari aggro deck with some aristocratic uh, type things to it. And I played that a little bit, and I have a love-hate relationship with the card collected company. I know it's powerful. A lot of people have played it and had success, but the amount of times I've hit Llanowar Elves and five lands, I don't want to talk about it. Did you <laughs> um, pay four mana for a Llanowar Elves with Flash? No. No. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Even if it had haste. <laughs> Well, Flash but, um, is blue haste. True. Yeah, yeah. Like, Snapcaster had haste with extra steps. <laughs> yeah, I liked to, back in the day, when Snapcaster, like, killing somebody with Snapcaster was, like, an actual thing that you could do. You could just be like, I'm going to grind this down so that you're at zero cards, and I'm just going to beat you to death with this Snapcaster that's left over. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things was when I decided it was time for me to turn the corner I would attack with that Snapcaster for the first time, and I would say, Commence the beating! <laughs> Remember, because you did it to me multiple times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was losing, but I still had the same reaction, because it's just so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so... I, I played the Todd Anderson list. I had fun with it, but I'm like, you know what? There, I think I want to do some tweaking. And I, I did some tweaking, and I had a moment where I'm just like, Huh. Court of Calling is legal in this format. Mm -hmm. And so is Eldritch Evolution. Why don't we just do that? And so I did that. Mm -hmm. 
And it's real good. It's very consistent now because there are a lot of times you're like, all right, if I get Zulaport, like I win the game. And then you Coco and you're like, here's two elves. And you're just like, darn it. I got to do it the hard way. But in this situation, you can just tutor up everything you need. Like Court of Calling is great. Now with Court of Calling, you had to have some deck building restrictions. The the deck before played Gigantha because it was Coco and there wasn't a lot of double mm. mana symbols. But we're not playing Gigantha in this deck so we can play Court of Calling and Eldritch. And we had to go up on a little more of the green creatures. We we had to play a little more green cards. Not not too many for cord. Like most of the th- you're most of the time you're not cording for Lovestruck Beast or or Woe Strider. You're not really gonna pay the six. You're you're looking for pretty much all of your your two drop creatures and yeah. Fiend Artisan helps out with that. And Fiend Artisan being a black and a green card helps with cord and also helps just casting with your mana base. It doesn't matter what lands you have. You can just slam that down. And it's birthing pod on a body that gets bigger. It's a threat that you can that you can have to close games out as well as just find your brands or your Zulaport cutthroats or your Woe Striders, things like that. And I've had a ton of fun play, playing this deck. And it's pretty good against the meta. Like, at least the top meta, it's been very, very good. Surprisingly, it's not great against angels because they gain too much life. Mm-hmm. which is odd and you're not yogmoth in that you just will loop through <laughs> yeah you can't go infinite you mm-hmm. can you can have some turns like don't get me wrong but you, you you're not looping anything but it has a it has a very good Rakdos mid-range matchup now i will say it it's good against that but misery shadow is a hell of a magic card against this deck. oh yeah you don't yeah. really have a whole lot of good answers for it either no, and again, it's not like Yogmoth where you can just play when your opponent with with your two four human cleric. <laughs> but it's 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 you got a good Rakdos uh, matchup mainly because Zulapur Cutthroat and being able to find an instant speed with quarter calling against the uh, the removal dot deck is is very is very good. It's got a decent mono green matchup I find mainly because you're both just like two ships passing at night. You can just ignore each other mm-hmm. and you don't have to win via combat with this deck, which is one thing I, I really, really have enjoyed. Yeah, I think that I'm looking at the list and I'm thinking about the Mono Green matchup and I'm thinking that Mono Green really wants, it doesn't always have to, but a lot of the times it really wants to be able to untap with a Planeswalker in play and you mm-hmm. just being able to throw a bunch of garbage creatures in front of it is just, that hurts that plan an awful lot. Like, you incidentally get to make playing Karn bad if they can't do something with it right away, and that effectively increases their mana requirement by four for their big turn. Mm-hmm. If they can't deploy the Karn on the turn before that setup turn. Yeah, it's 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 a weird sentence saying it's a bad thing playing Karn in, in that situation, yeah. which usually it's never a bad situation. How if you're playing Burn in Modern, you try and orchestrate a board state where your Rhino's opponent putting eight power of rhinos into play is a bad thing. You want to make Mm -hmm. that bad as much as possible. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, it's just in that spot. Do you want to take their best card, their best play that they normally want to make and make that play as much worse as you can possibly make it. Mm -hmm. And I think this deck is really good against doing that against mono green. And I think that extends mono greens win turn by one, which is pretty good when you're in a combo mirror. Oh yeah. Speaking of, combo mirror it's pretty good against lotus too oh yeah because because <laughs> you can just be like hey here's a one two three drop swing 
all right, there's two Zulu ports and a Wolf Shard. I'm going to sack my board. I think you died. <laughs> yeah. And that's the one thing I really love about not playing Gigantha with this deck, where you have access to Cord and Eldred, so you can find your specific creatures a lot more consistently. But you can play sideboard cards like Necromentia and Shieldred. And oh my god, those cards are great. Mm -hmm. Especially in a meta like this, where you're seeing a bunch of combo or combo adjacent decks. Grease Fang is just rising up in in pioneer playability a lot of people are playing that that deck mono green is still don't listen to magic twitter mono green is still really really good lotus field is still seeing a ton of play mm -hmm. i played and against it in the league twice last night it's not going away mono green is still really really good <laughs> uh uh lotus field very very powerful still yeah still still really really good and hell like lotus field sideboard plan of just hey you're gonna bring in hate here's a bunch of big dumb idiots that i'm gonna play on curve <laughs> Mm -hmm. I played against, I actually played against uh, Lotus Field in the final round at the Pioneer side event at the RC in San Diego. Matchup felt really, really, really good. Like I said before, Angels is a weird matchup where like sometimes you can just like out aggro them or just combo, like combo kill them with Zulaport and Vran and stuff like that. And other times they just play a bunch of big dumb idiots and they're at like 35 and you're just like, oh shit. And then like Mono White Humans, I haven't played against this deck, but I just, I would think this is a fantastic matchup against mono white like if they if they have the nuts and they brave the elements you there's not much you can do but you do play you don't play a ton of green creatures but they're just going to name black most of the time and in, in alpha strike you but if they don't have brave the elements and you're going to to blocks against the zulaport cutthroat deck it's rough yeah plus you can you are pretty capable of blockers back as like a green creature, a white creature, and a black creature with the goat token. Hey, your brave the elements is is still good, but again, you're able to you're you're in a spot where you can orchestrate your your the board in such a way that the brave the elements is less good. Mm -hmm. Like with like you said with Woestrider and the goat tokens, and even Lustruck Beast, they make uh, one one white white human tokens. And yeah, like mono white humans, uh, I'd say is a decent one. And I Grease Fang is weird, where. I feel like this deck is for just if you have it, cool. If not, mm, it's gonna it's gonna be tough. Yeah. But overall, I'd say this has a if you like this kind of deck, if you like a creature esque combo deck, or if you've played Yogmoth and Modern or back in the heydays and like beginning of modern with Birthing Pod, I'd say just pick up this deck. It's it's super, super fun. And I'm just gonna gush a little bit about Tyvar. Let me know if I'm getting too graphic and with my love for this fucking card. Oh my god. Tyvar is the glue that holds this fucking deck together. Yeah, Priest of the Forgotten Gods. Priest of the Forgotten Gods gets a lot oh. better when it has haste, right? Oh my god. And you can untap it and do, it, do again. it again? Oh, it's fucking gross. It is so good. And just, hell, even with just the mana dorks. Just, here's, here's Llanowar Elves. On like turn five, I'm gonna tap it for green, untap it with Tyvar, tap it for green again, tap three creatures, Court of Calling, or just like another one. <laughs> just play Eldritch, and you just paid for it pretty much just with your elf, and you sack the elf, and then you go get something important. And and the minus two is so good because the only cards, the only creature cards in your deck that don't cost two mana are Lovestruck Beast and Woe Strider. And Lovestruck Beast is really the only card that's not coming out of the graveyard once it's once it's in there. Because you can escape Woe Strider 
and and make more tokens second again keep keep like those semi loops going but tyvar is just such such a good card in this deck mm -hmm. and this this deck is the reason that tyvar has been seeing so much play and has had a light shine upon him pretty much he's i can't i can't gush about this planeswalker in this deck anymore because i'm just gonna keep on rambling but <laughs> if you like tyvar jubilant baller i'm forever calling him that play this deck it's super super fun yeah the deck looks really sweet no I, I will i will say i'm I'm not really gonna be playing this in the in the upcoming uh pioneer season for rcqs i think red black is i think the best choice for me i played that deck a ton and I am trying out a new card in, in red black though. I am trying out just Shieldred, period. As as a one of. Oh, you'll I do have like to let that me card. know how that goes. I will I will let you know. You're you're coming to most of the RCQs with me, so you can see in real time. <laughs> All right. So today for our guessing game, our prompt is cards that have gotten better over time. We're talking about how to tell if you've gotten better. Well, you also want to be able to tell if a card has gotten better. Mm -hmm. So just as a reminder, the way the guessing game works is Kyle and I are each thinking of a card. We will give each other cryptic hints as to what that card was. <laughs> and if either of us are stumped, we are able to ask yes or no questions to help get us a little bit closer to what card that is. I have one ready to go. Do you have one ready to go? I want I want to guess yours because this this. Mm. It's, this could be a lot, so give, give me some hints. I, I want to see what I want to see what you're thinking about. All right, I can tell you that this is a card that has been printed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two. 33, 34, 35, 35 and a half times. Wow. Are, are more than half of those reprintings commander sets? I'd say so, yeah. Commander sets, dual okay. decks, other supplemental products. Okay. Is it a rare? Sometimes. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Is it blue? Yes. Okay. Is its mana value more or less than three? Less. So three or less. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's been printed 35 times. 35 oh and a God. half times. And a half. <laughs> what does a half mean? It was printed in the World Championship 2000 deck. So it has been printed, but that 36th time, but that 36th time, it was gold bordered. Jesus. So does it, is it a counter spell? Level zero answer to your question is no. <laughs> Level one answer to your question is probably yes, but only for discard spells only for discard spells oh oh like i'm gonna feel dumb when i get it aren't i i will uh, also give you the hint that it is the fixed version of a piece of power oh man i think i'm gonna need some more hints i i i'm blanking real hard today <laughs> so not again uh, i will go ahead and tell you that in every printing there is either the visualization of a brain or the suggestion of a brain inside of some inside of a character's head. Does it cost two mana? Nope. So it costs one. Yeah. Oh, thought I had it, but I don't. I I think this is the first time you stumped me. I have no idea. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what made the card get suddenly way way better. The printing of Fetchlands in Onslaught made this card way way better. Is it Stifle? No. <laughs> 
but we're thinking, but it was, but this card was also a four of in Canadian threshold, much like Stife. Oh. An extremely helpful hint, Anthony. Because Nimble Mongoose Gang over here. <laughs> oh my god, I, I should know this card too. Oh, you know this card. It is a fixed version of Ancestral Recall. Oh, is it Brainstorm? It is Brainstorm. Oh my god, I'm such a fucking idiot. Of course it's Brainstorm. <laughs> also, my hints, not helpful. It's- the one where you're like, is it a counterspell? And I was like, no, but it is for discard. For discard, yeah, for discard spells, yeah, I, I get that now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, uh, uh, so <laughs> you just so your 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 reasoning is it's just it's as time has gone on, it's just gotten better and better because it's just one of the most powerful cards that people just forgot about. It it has just on its face. That's a helicopter. What is going what on? What the fuck? What is happening? Oh, there's a big column of smoke in the distance. Anthony, what did you do? I don't think What's... we have a beep sound effect long enough. <laughs> but, but yes, I, I I do like your pick. Yeah, That's... It, it because like it was always a fine card, but it was never like it really came into its own when you could easily shuffle, right? Oh, yeah. When you could easily clear the top that you put back with Brainstorm. It's like when Delver got printed and everybody had that thing where it's just like, oh, we can rearrange the top of our deck. And same thing with Fetch Lane. It's like, oh, I don't like these. Boom, just shuffle it away. Yeah, that card is very good. It feels very good to cast. It's just, in general, a whole lot of fucking fun. I, I should have known you'd pick a card like this, you know, the, the miracle stand over here. Yeah, I do love <laughs> casting Brainstorm. Print Brainstorm into Modern, you cowards. Modern games, because it's going to be played in like Control or Tempo decks. Modern games already go long enough with those goddamn decks. Oh, I think this is going to be... If this were printed into Modern, this would be just like immediately the most offensive card in Modern. Oh, 100%. Literally offense. (laughs) I think think combo decks would wreck people with this shit. Oh, yeah. Don't don't listen to Anthony when it comes to one mana blue blue spells. He wants mental misstep in modern, too. You know (laughs) what? Would counter brainstorm? Mental misstep. (laughs) Wow. They they sell you the medicine to hide and suppress your cures. Oh, my God. Stop. (laughs) They suppress our cures. All right, I got a card for you. I'll give you one hint. I think it'll be a little helpful then. A little more helpful than the ones you gave me. Oh, good. But, I was in a pretty cryptic mood today. <laughs> this is a card that if it was printed into Pioneer specifically, it would be a four of in one of the top four decks played in the format right now. If it were printed into Pioneer. Um Hmm. Let's let's weigh this down. Is it a card that would is it a card that would slot into Grease Fang? Nope. Is it a card that would slot into Red Black? It would. Is it Snuff Out? No, but it is a removal spell. Oh man, Snuff Out would go straight into Red Black though. Oh my god, it would be so gross. It would be so good. <laughs> okay, a removal spell that is not currently in Pioneer. But if it were, mm. it would it would immediately become a four of. One removal spell would immediately or it would replace the shitty Doomblade variants. See, I'm thinking that the best Doomblade was. I'm thinking that the best Doomblade was go for the throat. That's legal in Pioneer now. Maybe it's not. But this has no stipulation. Wait, a two mana? It's a two mana removal spell. I don't say here. Let me rephrase. Not a four of, but you play at least two. Okay. 
but a, a two mana so it's a two mana doom blade variant that doesn't have any no better than a doom blade yeah no, that like, doesn't have any restrictions mm-hmm. so the text is destroy target creature yeah with something else that we haven't seen on a new magic card in forever it's on thrun the last troll the next text it, it can't be regenerated yeah Oh, fucking terminate. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I also think that that card would be, that card would be, there'll be an all star. would be a four of, I think that that card would be very good. Yeah. Yes. That card would be not so in red, black. It'd be very, very sweet. And I think that card, as far as getting better, just contextually gets better Mm -hmm. when people are playing creatures that cost three mana or more. Thank you, Modern Horizons 2. <laughs> it's just li- literally like MH2 came out and Terminate stock just right up. Like, yeah. Because usually Raspberry subtlety. sound without context implies a, a downward trajectory. <laughs> Woo! It went up. There we go. Rick Thank Flair, you. I appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, the moment Murktide and all the elemental incarnations came into the format, people were like, we need something that just straight up kills a creature. Boom, terminate. Put it in a deck. And it's it's been great because you just need to be able to answer a Murktide or a Solitude, Subtlety, Endurance, like Grief, Fury, all those fucking assholes. The, the reasons I don't like playing Modern anymore. <laughs> I did just imagine the theme song for the Jeffersons moving on up to have little raspberry sounds in it. Which I think would just absolutely be adorable. <laughs> oh. I would like to point out that it the theme song has recently been re-uploaded to YouTube by YouTube user the House of Dracula for their Monster Model Museum channel. <laughs> what? So I want to know. Is what that that's... just you? <laughs> okay, I don't recall it, but. <laughs> That don't mean shit. I don't remember, but that does not mean it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Wait a second. Why does the House of Dracula Monster Model Museum have nine and a half thousand subscribers? That what? That's that's a lot. That's weird. Did they do I, something to this? What what happened? <laughs> yeah. Did they did they fuck with this theme song in some way? Is this is this a meme? I think it's a meme. It has to be a meme. I'm listening to it right now. Not a meme. It, it's just the straight up theme song. I'm wondering if there's going to be like a spooky thing that jumps out at you at some point. <laughs> oh, no, it's a dog. Woof, woof. Nope. The top comment on it is best theme song ever written. Next best theme song is theme to good times. There has to be something we're missing. It, it's just the uploaded theme song and not nine and a half thousand subscribers. Okay, I'm I'm going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> House of Dracula Monster Model Museum. I've been a model builder for about 40 years. What? What? 40 years? I just don't understand. This has nothing to do with the Jeffersons. <laughs> I started off with old Aurora monster models. And I still prefer to build figure model kits over vehicles and other hardware. I'm also a collector of toys slash action figures. But this is a hobby that I just started. And it really depends on the subcapitals. Really depends on the subject matter of the figures. Aside from the Universal Monsters, I collect the classic Planet of the Apes and 1966 Batman. In parentheses, Adam West and Burt Ward. I used to collect Kiss, but gave it up. 
due to not agreeing with the direction that the band has gone and dressing oh my up two new members to look like Peter, Chris, and Ace Freely. End of description. Stats. Joined in 2013, has 6 million views. I, I am at a loss for words. Also, none of their videos have anything to do with models. Oh my god. Oh. it's just things he likes yes he's also got like clips from interviews that have like almost 2 million views on classic celebrity crush zero one adrian barbeau like me too but <laughs> yep yep maybe, yep, yep, maybe yep, yep maybe everybody just likes this guy i don't know oh or he wait. just took things people liked and just put it on youtube again <laughs> oh no he does have model videos that he stopped uploading seven years ago. Oh, Because Fun With My Aurora Monsters Under Colored Lights has 175 views. Versus just like random rips from TV series. He's just, oh, you know what we've got? We've got the All in the Family theme song. 111,000 views. I have to be at least, I have to be at least 400 of them. You, you, you watching that one a lot? The All in the Family theme song? Yeah, it's a fucking bop. Yeah, it's a banger, Kyle. God. Yeah? Wow. This is... The rabbit holes you go down just going through YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> this is just, like, really sad because he's been doing the model thing for 40 years. And he cared about it so much he made a channel for it. And then at some point, like, within the past five years or so, something happened. And the House of Dracula became disillusioned and cynical. Aww. And just decided to start just posting whatever he thought was going to get views. He's just his third most popular video is the Gilligan's Island theme song. Come on, people. Go watch, go watch the cool modeling videos. <laughs> also, Gilligan's Island. Really? <laughs> oh, it's so disappointing. Oh, the Land of the Lost theme song. That's a good man. Oh, man. I really like Terminate as a pick. <laughs> more, more than... More than you like uh, the the theme song to the Jeffersons? Let's not be too hasty. <laughs> come on, come on, Kyle. I have standards, damn it. Yeah. Just Can't like have an attitude Let's like not that be too hasty. <laughs> Can't have an attitude like that and expect to get a piece of the pie. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like and subscribe. It helps us out a ton and makes it easier for other players like you to hear what we have to say. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, Peanut.fm, and iHeartRadio. One of those was not real, but we'll never tell. It was Peanut, wasn't it? Oh, shut the fuck up.